of Luke chapter 18. I'm going to preach on prayer, and I'm simply calling this prayer the key to heaven. Prayer the key to heaven. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus said, well, let's back up. I'm not going to get into this whole thing yet. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Then he spoke a parable. Often when we get, you know, when you're doing Bible study, especially Gospels, you have to look at the contextual setting and the uh, geographical setting or the literary setting. And here he's getting ready to teach about praying. So he says, Luke says, Then he spoke a parable to them that for the purpose of showing that men ought to always pray and not lose heart. So I want to take a few Sundays and look at prayer afresh. I've preached many sermons on prayer, many series on prayer through the years. But now that we've been focusing on faith all year long, I want to go back and revisit prayer and look at it through the eyes of faith that we've been learning about all year. Amen? Because it really does shift your perspective. Because prayers become uh, strategic when you have faith. Because often we pray like shooting a shotgun. We just shoot it out there and Lord, hope, hopefully something hits, you know. But I want us to get to hunting with a rifle. Praying as with a rifle. <laughs> so we can pray and be specifically targeted in our prayers and know that we're praying the will of God and be, and be confident in the fact that God will hear us. Can you say amen? C.S. Lewis said, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. That's prayer. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in their private devotions, and each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. And over time, these paths to those places became well-worn. And as a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. And they would kindly remind the negligent person, Brother, the grass grows on your path. Brother, the grass grows on your path. Several years ago, I started walking a lot. I was trying to walk 10,000 steps a day, and there was a farm behind the house where we were living, and so I just started walking this path back there. But as spring came and rolled into summer, the grass grew about this tall. And one of my Brothers in this church said, you know, affectionately, I guess you're not walking enough. Because you're not keeping it. Brother, the grass grows on your path. If you know the history of Scotland and history of England, Queen Mary of Scots, who was Catholic, said, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of a thousand men. That's the power of prayer. Amen. So, one of my favorite writers is Thomas Aquinas from the medieval age, because everybody needs some good medieval history in their bones. 
And so he offered objections to prayer, and then he refuted each one of these. But I wanted to offer these objections to prayer because I think sometimes these doubts creep into our minds, and I want to shoot them down. Sometimes we think we shouldn't pray because God knows everything. And if He knows everything, why should I have to pray if He already knows it all? Secondly, we know that God is unchangeable. He's immutable. He doesn't change. So if He's unchangeable, then why should we pray? Because He's already fixed everything that's going to happen. Then some think, well, in life, it's more honorable for someone to give you something without you having to ask for it. Asking for it kind of demeans the gift. So why should we pray? Or some may say, well, I've tried prayer and it didn't work. I prayed for this or prayed for that and it just didn't work. You know, just caveat to that. Maybe some of those unanswered prayers were a blessing in your life. And finally, things just happen the way they're supposed to. So why should we pray? There's causes and there's effects and everything's going to happen. God's already predetermined everything and His will will ultimately be done. So why should we pray at all? Well, I want to say this, that God knows the end result of things, I believe. I believe he's that sovereign. He's, he has foreknowledge that he knows how things will go. But he also knows the causes and effects that play into the equation of what will happen in the future. And I believe, and it's hard sometimes to get our mind around this, but I believe that if we don't pray, certain things will not happen. Why? Because God has in his sovereignty determined that we should pray. He is already in His counsel of His wisdom, determined that men and women should pray so that certain things will happen. Are you saying, Brother Hans, you don't believe God is sovereign and He's going to work everything out regardless of it? No, I believe exactly. (laughs) I believe we have to pray before certain things happen. Same argument could be made for evangelism and world missions. If we believe that there are a select number of people who will be born again, regardless of our efforts, then it really takes the umph out of evangelizing or witnessing to anyone. But I believe God has also determined the causes that cause the effects that He wants to see happen in the earth realm. Can somebody shout amen? John Wesley, who's also one of my favorite characters from history, he wrote a lot about prayer. And to John Wesley, prayer was mainly about communion with God. Wesley said, prayer is the grand means of drawing nigh to God. So we commune with Him in prayer. And Wesley also said that the neglect of private prayer is the most common reason people lose their faith. The neglect of common or private prayer is the most common reason people lose their faith. Wesley also said that prayer involves thanksgiving. It's about giving thanks. Thanksgiving is inseparable from true prayer and is almost essentially connected with it, he said. And then finally, Wesley said, prayer is positioning us to receive what God already wants to give us. 
Prayer is positioning ourselves in alignment so that we can receive what the Father already wants to pour out and give us. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Now let's go back then to Luke chapter 18 and let's read this in its... uh, and it's in this passage in its entirety. And I'm going to read it from the ESV this morning just because I've been, I have an addiction. And that's to look at things in different translations of the Bible. Verse 1, And he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Listen what the unrighteous judge said. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Okay, this passage is talking about an unjust judge who would not normally give a request to this widow who comes, but she wouldn't shut up. She wouldn't stop pestering him until he granted her request. Now, what I think Jesus is doing here is he's contrasting at that unjust judge with the just father we serve. And if the unjust judge would eventually break down and answer this lady's request, how much more would the just God we serve give us what we request of him? Come on, say it with me. God will hear. God will respond, and God is not like the unjust judge. So why should we pray? I want to give you three reasons why we should pray. Just starting off with prayer 101 here this morning, okay? Number one, we should pray because God is good. We should pray because God is good. Sometimes, maybe with our religious training, we thought approaching God was kind of like going to the principal's office. Now, none of y'all ever went to the principal's office, but some of us have been to the principal's office. And I grew up in the age where they still had a big wooden paddle. Some of them had holes in them where they could get more air flowing and shoom. Some of us grew up in the dark ages when those things happened. But anyhow, going to the principal's office was not a cool deal, especially if you heard your name called over the intercom. I need to see the following students. And then your name was called. It was like, oh, Lord. Then you did that walk of shame and walk of dread all the way to the principal's office. Some of us have that view of God, that if we approach God, it's like, oh, Lord. What, what, you know, what's he going to do? What's, how's he going to beat me up? And I think we really need to shift our view of God and because and, God is not like that. That's not the Father that Jesus portrayed. Sure, he's just. Sure, there is a judgment at the end. Sure, sin has to be accounted for. But 
the, the picture we get of God when Jesus teaches on prayer is different from that. He teaches on prayer that we have a loving Father. And when we come to Him, He is willing, He is able, He is excited. Can I say that? He's chomping at the bit. He's waiting to hear from us. And waiting on us to come into His presence so He can pour out of His goodness on us. I never forget, you know, Benny Hinn. The first book Benny Hinn ever wrote was called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I read it back in the day when he wrote it. And it really was an impactful book. It, it really ministered to a lot of people. And I remember him telling a story that he was staying in a home with a certain family and was staying upstairs in a bedroom. And he was just spending hours with the Lord. And he said one day they called him down for dinner. And he said so he came out of prayer and he started to walk downstairs and he heard this still small voice say, just a little longer. Just a little longer. I've thought of that a lot when we're so flippant with prayer and ready to just get our rote prayers out of the way so we can go on with our lives. How many, how many times is the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, Hans, just a little longer. Just a little longer. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. To the left, just a couple pages. Luke chapter 15, there are, it's a triad of parables. There's three parables going on here. And the point, the big point of all these is that Jesus is with sinners and God has a heart for sinners. That's the point of all these. But in the last of these parables, or last of these stories, was the story of the prodigal son. That there was a son who went rebellious, demanded his inheritance from his father, insulted his father, basically considered his father dead yet while living, was given his inheritance, went out and spent it on, wild, on the wild party life, and then when he had blown everything for a young Jewish boy, he ended up in the worst circumstance. That was in the hog pen, eating what the hogs ate. And he came to himself and he said, you know what? I'll go to my father because even my father's servants have it better than this. So he rehearsed this speech. I'll go and let me say, I'll say, Father, will you take me back? I'll be even, even just a servant in your house because he knew he wouldn't be accepted. So he's just trying to rehearse a speech that gets him back in the door. And so what happens? He comes back to his father. And when he did, says he arose and came to his father, verse 20, and while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and kill the fattened calf and let us eat and celebrate for this was my son who was dead and is alive again was lost and is found. This is a display of the heart of the father that Jesus was communicating. 
It wasn't, I'm coming to the principal's office, but I'm coming back to my dad who sees me from a long way off and his heart is broken for me and he runs out and wraps his arms around me and kisses me and calls for the robe, the ring, and the sandals, all symbols of sonship. And he isn't pining away over the lost inheritance or the money he's blown or the reputation he's burned or the family he's humiliated. It's all about, come on home. My God, he's home. Come on, call all the neighbors. And let's throw the biggest party we've ever thrown before. Why? Because his heart was that much toward his son and that's how much the father's heart is toward you. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. That's how much his heart is toward you. See, sometimes if we fail or we stumble, we commit a sin, we do something that we knew, knew, knew was wrong, then, that, then this big block comes into our minds and we think, well, I'm never going back to church. I can never face those folks again. And why should I pray anymore? Because God is going to be angry and he, His judgment's going to come after me. And then you back up. And you're like, I, I just, I, I, there's no help from, and you just keep backing up. And you back up so far, you find yourself out in left field somewhere. I'll tell you a story of my grandfather. My grandfather served the Lord and um, served Jesus. His whole family took them all to church. They were all raised in a holiness church. And then, he did something he knew was wrong. And after committing that act that he knew was wrong, he didn't go back to church for 20 years. And he fell into alcoholism. He fell into a wild lifestyle. And one New Year's Day, he got up and he told my grandma, he said, today we're going to church. Today we're going to church and we're changing our lives. They lived next to a church, a little church of God. They went up on the hill and went to that church. And when the altar call was given, he and my grandma went down and rededicated their lives to the Lord. And he told me later, he said, Hans, I would have come back if somebody would have just told me you could come back. If somebody would have just told me it's okay, you can come back and be forgiven. I would have come back. But I didn't think there was a way back. And he said, when I got out there so far, I didn't want to come back. He said, people say you can get saved at any time. My grandpa said, I don't believe that. Because you don't have the desire at all times. You get so far back, you don't want to come back sometime. And he came back and lived an amazing Christian life for the rest of his life. Don't have, come on. The Father's arms are wide open this morning. Father's arms are wide open. We're not here because we're perfect people. I wasn't raised in church. I came from the outside. We're not here because we all hit every mark in life and we're perfect and uh, we judge you at the door. We don't do that here. We're all here because of one reason. We all were lost. All sold under sin, as Paul said. We all were bound for a devil's hell. 
We all were out there, but yet we all came in through the cross. And we all came in by grace and mercy. And we're all here today because of the heart of the Father who came chasing and running after us, running down the lane when He saw us afar off. My God, somebody give the Lord a shout in here. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him a shout in here. Thank God for the Father's love. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. He said in Matthew 20, 21, at 20, 21, 22 rather, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Why? Because when you come to the Father, He brings you in and makes you a king and a priest. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. John saw Jesus and he, and he wrote this letter from Jesus. Said, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood, and has made us, somebody say made me, Amen. made us kings and priests, to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now that you're in the kingdom, you've been made a king. You have dominion in the earth realm. Number two, you've been made a priest. A priest means one who approaches God. So now you can approach the Father without any hindrances or without any mediators anymore except Jesus Christ. We come to God now not through bells and whistles and smokes and incantations. We come to God now with a pure heart and go straight to the heart of the Father. We can approach the throne of grace boldly and make our petitions and requests known because now we are kings and priests, or as one translation says, a kingdom of priests. You're going to get that about lunchtime. And it's going to be awesome. So now priests make sacrifices. Notice 1 Peter 2.5. You as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are those sacrifices? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 5.7 that Jesus offered up the sacrifices of prayer. Read this with me. Hebrews 5, 7. If you just write it down or hunt it down with me. To the right in your Bible. A long way to the right. Sometimes you can go too far right. Hebrews 5, 7. I want you to notice this. In the days of His flesh, Jesus offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death, and He was heard because of His reverence. So Jesus offered up those spiritual sacrifices. So now, we are priests with God, and we offer up the spiritual sacrifices of worship and prayer.
First Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Isaiah 55 Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Colossians 4.2 Continually, continue steadfastly rather, in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Matthew 26.41 Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. So Dana's family sent her a bunch of uh, a, a, a care package, basically. And it, it had all of these... Uh, all of these animal crackers in it. Because her family was thinking about all my grandkids. And so we put them, or Dana put them in a certain drawer, in certain drawers in a little cabinet in our kitchen. And, and so little Mav came over to stay with us. And Dana goes over and says, this is your drawer. This is your drawer. And I thought, I can't wait till he asks. Because I'm a good grandfather, right? I want to be like that good father. I can't wait till he asks. And I can't wait to see what he does with it. So we had walked the uh, potato festival here in town. And we had gotten a lemonade at that stand that gives you like a gallon lemonade jar. And you're supposed to keep it for a year. So you can take it back the next year and get a discount on the lemonade. I mean, that's really strategic financial planning for the next potato festival. So we bought one of those, and we washed it, and we kept this gallon lemonade jar. So at one point, we looked down, and little Mav had taken the box of animal cookies and was just pouring it right down in that lemonade gallon. And we thought, it's okay. It's yours. And then later on, Alex told me Axel went in to say goodnight to Mav, and he was sitting in his little bed, eating them cookies out of that big lemonade jar. Come on, shout, come on, put your hand toward heaven and say, you're a good, good father. How much more is our heavenly father willing to give? He wants us to come that our joy may be full. He wants us to make our petitions and requests known that our joy may be full. He wants you to ask things boldly in His name that your joy may be full. He wants you to enter into His presence because in His presence is fullness of joy. He wants you to live that joy-filled life. He wants you to wake up every morning and say, Good morning, Jesus. I need you today, Lord. I thank you that you're on my side. I thank you for a blessed day. And now I pray over my family today, Lord. Blessings right now. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. We're going to rest under your presence, Lord, of the El Shaddai. And I thank you that today no plague shall come nigh my dwelling in Jesus' name. I thank you that you'll satisfy my life with and crown me with goodness and satisfy me with a long life. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings. God bless my family. Bring the lost in, Lord. Convict them today, God. Send your blessing, Lord. Break us out of lackadaisicalness, God. Set us on fire. We keep praying. 
Why? That our joy may be full. Oh, hallelujah. Number two, we pray because God wants us to join Him in His work in the earth realm. He could have just left it all up to angels, but He didn't do it. He chose you and I. Angels help us, but you and I do the work. Jesus could have just ended it all when He came to earth. I'm here, Satan's defeated, kingdom's come. Everything changes, but he didn't do that. He gave his disciples the promise. He handed the baton to his disciples and said, Now you guys go. And now you take the message. And part of the tools, part of the equipment you have is the ability to pray. I don't know that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them anything except, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice what he says. I want you to notice Luke chapter 11. Luke has such amazing teaching in prayer. We've been to Luke 18, Luke 15. Now go left again to Luke 11. This is one of the greatest teachings on prayer. This is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Or as some have called it, maybe more accurately, the Disciples' Prayer. Luke 11:1. 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when He finished, so He was the model Jesus is praying, and the disciples see Him. And when they saw Him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And Jesus said, okay, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. If you read this in Matthew's version, it's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a participating with God in His work on earth. When we pray... It's like the key that unlocks heaven's blessings. And God comes and does His work in the earth realm. So, Pastor Hans, you're telling me revival will not come in Elizabeth City unless we pray? Yes. You're actually telling me that America will not be changed Unless we pray? Yes. Are you telling me that my family will not come in and my kids will not walk in the fullness of blessings unless someone prays? Yes. John Wesley said something. And it can be debated theologically. Go online. Everybody's got their sides on this. But it shook me when I heard it. He said, God does nothing in the earth realm. These are my words. Except an answer to prayer. So we sometimes live as if we have no part to play in this. 
We sometimes live like that. Well, God's going to take care of everything, and I don't need to pray. Why do I need to pray? And there's some teaching like that, that everything's done, everything's provided. I just somehow have to just get up and drink coffee and watch Netflix, and everything's going to take care of itself. It's not the prescription we have in Scripture. The prescription is Jesus was a man of prayer. The disciples were people of prayer. The early church was a church of prayer. Missionaries, evangelists, faith workers, guys I've worked with, all people of prayer that gave themselves to prayer and realized they couldn't do it on their own. But that when we pray, we enter into the work that God is doing in the earth realm. And I say when we enter into prayer, we get through prayer in the Word, we get the mind of God for what He wants to do in the earth realm. I want to encourage you before making decisions, pray about it. Before making any decision, just pray about it. Give it some time in prayer. Before making big decisions, really pray about it. Why? Because Jesus, the night before He called His disciples... He went up on a mountain and he spent all night in prayer. He came down from the mountain and he called his disciples, each one of all 12 he called. Now listen, did he not know who they were already? Was he not the Son of God manifested in the flesh already? Did he not have the, the, the knowledge of the Spirit already? I think yes, but still yet. He walked as a man anointed of God, as a servant of God, the suffering servant from Isaiah's songs, the Ebed Yahweh. He comes and he submits himself to the will of the Father and he prays. And he prays. And he prays. Can somebody shout amen? Third reason why we should pray. We should pray, listen, because God really wants to bless us. He really wants to bless us. Notice the rest of this passage. After the Lord's prayer in Luke, he says in verse 5, Luke eleven five, 5, And he said to him, Which of you has a friend? And will go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to sit before him, and he will answer him from within. Don't bother me! The door's shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't give up and just give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. What is impudence? Impudence is what my little tomcat knew very well. That is, I'd let my tomcat, his name is Tommy, he's still living, and he's been bequeathed to Alex and Axel now. But I would put him outside, and sometime in the middle of the night, there was a sliding glass door in my bedroom, and I would hear. Until I got up and opened the door. And then I would stumble back to bed, and he would sit there and meow until I went and fed him in the middle of the night. How spoiled was this cat? That's called impudence. Jesus said, even though the guy's asleep and won't wake up, if you keep banging, if you keep knocking, he's going to get up and he's going to take care of you. But now what? But Jesus uses this as a contract. He said, What father among you, 
Okay, let's go back up. And I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If your son asks for a fish, well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's saying, listen folks, God's not like the unjust judge. God's not like the sleepy-headed neighbor. He's awake all the time. He's just all the time. And He's waiting on you to come because He wants to pour out His goodness in your life. I had a friend years ago named William Ward. William Ward's now in heaven, but he was uh, a great man of God. He traveled 82 nations of the world. He had, I think, three earned doctoral degrees. He, he believed in miracle signs and wonders, held, held tent meetings back in the 40s and 50s, one of those guys. Anyhow, he told me personally one time, he said, Brother, I, I went to heaven. He had a medical problem and he almost died, but he had a vision of heaven. And he said, while I was in heaven... Jesus came to me, and he said, you can create a better future for you and your family if you'll speak things in my name. You can have a better future for you and your family if you'll speak things in my name. God wants us to have a better future for us and our families. He wants us to have a better future. He doesn't want you to be depressed. He doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want you to be addicted. He doesn't want you to be wallowing around in a cesspool of just depression and you can't see tomorrow. He doesn't want you broke. He doesn't want you lost. He doesn't want you sin addicted. He doesn't want you on the way to hell. He wants to bless you. He wants a better life for you and your family in the future. And one of the keys is to pray. To pray in the name of Jesus. Because when you pray, God starts turning things around. When you start declaring in prayer, God starts shifting things in motion. When you start prophesying in His name, you start bringing heaven down to earth. We've spent so much time in the church worrying about going from earth to heaven when I think God wants our minds to be on bringing heaven down to earth. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How can heaven, hey, I feel it. How can heaven come down into my household? How can heaven come down into Edenton? How can heaven come down into Elizabeth City? How can heaven be established in my life? Prayer is the key to heaven. Unlocking and bringing heaven to earth. Can you shout amen? Can somebody shout hallelujah? So why pray? Because God is good. For I pray, He wants us to join Him in His work. Why pray? He's got a storehouse of wealth and good things He wants to unleash in our lives. You know, I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm not making doctrine out of people who visited heaven. We should make doctrine out of Scripture. But nonetheless, it's interesting to hear their stories. And I've heard stories of people who have gone to heaven and seen warehouses of body parts waiting for someone to ask in faith for a new liver. 
for a new heart. For new blood vessels that aren't clogged. I'm telling you, God, God, He's the designer. He's the designer. You know, I have a Ford. It's my fourth Ford, praise the Lord. (laughs) Somebody said, sorry. I have a friend who's a Chevy guy. I like Chevys too, but he said, you know what Ford stands for, Hans? Backwards, driver returned on foot. I'm just saying. Or found on roadside dead. But there's, we can say that with every brand, all right? They've done me well. Thank Jesus. Where was I going? There's something wrong with my Ford right now that I know I can't take it to a local shop and get fixed because it's something that I need replaced that's going to have to come from... (laughs) I feel like shouting right now. It's going to have to come from the manufacturer. It's going to have to come from the one who designed and created the product. You got some stuff in your life that you can't get grandma to fix or cousin to fix or you can't call and gossip about it and find your way out of it. You got to go back to the manufacturer... You got to call on heaven, unlock the key, uh, take the key and unlock the door and get your needs met. Hallelujah. He said, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory. There's some things that you need to be praying about. You need to be pounding heaven. You need to be ringing heaven's bell saying, Father, come. I need your resources right now, Lord. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, let's stand on our feet and just give him a praise right now. Come on, give him a praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 I told Coop this morning his daughter was in a major accident, flipped her truck twice after winning the the hog show over here. And flipped her truck twice. And I went up to Wayne this morning and I said, how's it going? He said, I'm blessed, man. He said, by all natural means, we should have been having visitation this morning. And had a bad situation. But my granddaughter walked out of that truck with not one scratch on her body. And I think Wayne said it best. Wayne said, we don't understand why some families have different stories. But I'm thankful this morning for my story. And I said, well, I know one thing. I know one thing. Grandma and Grandpa's been praying. (laughs) Dad's been praying. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We don't understand everything and why everything goes down the way it does sometimes. But I know one thing. Prayers mean something. Prayers move heaven. I am fully convinced, Brandon. I mean, with everything in my heart, the only reason I'm here today is because of prayers of my grandparents. I'm fully convinced of that. And now they're in heaven. And I had a visitation in my kitchen the other night. I told Dana about it. And during this visitation I had, maybe it's, my, maybe it's my imagination. 
but I could see my grandparents going to the throne on my behalf. Because now those who are in heaven are praying for us without filter. Because according to Revelation, the saints are praying in heaven. So if you don't have your parents or grandparents still here praying for you, I believe some are ringing heaven's bells in His presence. In His presence right now. Lord, you see Jamie. Help him today. Think about the Think about that. Oh, man. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the privilege and ability to pray. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us access to heaven, Lord. Direct access to the throne. And God, we stand humbled and amazed at your blessings and your, your ability, you're limitless in what you can do. Lord, I thank you for opening this revelation one more time for us this morning. Showing us the beauty of prayer, simplicity of prayer, that we can just come and pour out our hearts to you. We don't have to have big words. We don't have to know big theology. We can just come and pour our hearts out. We can pour our hearts out like Hannah did. And you respond. Lord, I give you praise. Ignite the fervor and the prayer initiative in our church afresh, Lord. And we give you thanks for it right now. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.